and welcome to the Herp Report with Jason White. My name is John Taylor, uh, one of your hosts. Our other host is uh, Jason White from the Daily Reptile News. And basically what we're going to do is uh, take some of the top news stories in the reptile industry and give you our personal opinions on it. So as uh, Jason White is infamous for saying, or is it famous? I'm not really sure. Anyway, as uh, Jason White typically says, whether you love it or hate it, just give it a rating or something of that nature. Here's some of the news for this week with uh, the Herp Report with Jason White. Okay, I'm going to try to sound smart now, okay? Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so, uh, we're online tonight with uh, Jason White from DRN. For our listeners who don't know Jason White, you've either been living under a rock or don't know anything about reptile news. Anyway, uh, so Jason, we're talking about the uh, albino monocle cobra will live. What's the... Uh, where did the story originate, I guess would be the best way to put it. Okay, it all started on February 1st when 25-year-old Eric Borders was hospitalized after he was bitten by this cobra. Okay. And he apparently bought the cobra from, uh, I believe it was a show uh, across state lines, if I remember correctly. Okay. And he was told it was venomoid, but in fact it was not. Okay, and, and now just for listeners who are unaware, venomoid means the venom glands have been surgically removed. Is that not accurate? Yes. Okay, all right. And so, yeah, he was hospitalized. Snakes were taken uh, by animal control officer Richard Dubarton, who was, in fact, later fired for releasing the video and pictures to the media. Oh. Wow. Well, now... Oh, I know. No, I was just saying that that's pretty wild. I don't understand why he would get fired if we're taking some pictures. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he says that all he that his job is to educate the public, and that's exactly what he was doing. I, I tend to side with him, and the good news is, is for, uh, trying to find the name of the town. Damn it, can't find it. Anyway, he's uh, he was only a part-time animal control officer for the town, and he, he's a certified police canine instructor, and he's a full-time animal control officer for Bergen County. So that's... Uh, you know, I felt kind of bad for the guy losing his job, releasing pictures to us. But uh, yeah, you know, he, he he seemed to be, from what I gathered from his statements, pretty happy to walk away from a city that was full of corruption. Oh, interesting. So yeah, and then and then uh, you know, fast forwarding nearly a month away, we um now we find this monocle cobra as well as the copperhead and the rattlesnake that are also kept in the news again and you know most of the time we hear about people getting their snakes taken for whatever reason they're destroyed especially right. a venomous snake right and right i thought it was super cool to find out that a wildlife educator from massachusetts was allowed to buy all three of those snakes from the uh, the wildlife department there in Pennsylvania. Wow, that is very nice. So now, again, this goes back to you know our topic that we always seem to come across whenever we do have uh, phone conversations about responsibility. Now, in your opinion, you know who's to say who is responsible enough to keep a venomous animal? I mean, is there you know because we obviously don't have a board of directors that can tell us no, you shouldn't keep it, or yes, you should. belief. I don't believe a venomous snake belongs in somebody's house. Um, I, I understand that's a very personal belief and not everybody believes that. Right. But I, I think they're better off out in the wild or possibly, such as these three snakes now, in an educator's hands that, that knows what they're doing. 
I, I, I think the biggest question here, though, and this comes out after a big thing went all over Facebook about venomoid cobras, and the, the people that know about them know that it is nearly, a, it, it's not... It's not a reliable operation at all. In fact, uh, right. we watched a video right around this same time, and I believe three out of four snakes that went through the operation actually produced venom after the glands were removed. Wow. So I, I, don't, I, I don't think this particular story is necessarily a question as to whether a venomous animal should have been kept, but whether the proper education and handling techniques were used. Basically, what, what Eric Borges did is he trusted his life in somebody's hands that he didn't know. Okay. And and, and that's, you know, I, I don't... Tell me, would you be able to pick up a cobra with your bare hands because somebody told you it had its venom glands removed and it's perfectly safe? No. Not going to happen. I don't care if I saw the operation done. I don't care if I did it myself. I yeah. It up with my bare hands, you know, and yeah, even if even if I was working with somebody, you know, one we'll just leave it at you know, one of the named persons in the industry told me, you know, hey, I perform this. Op- no, it's not gonna happen. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not gonna risk it. I'll tell you what, that's fine, I'll pick it up, but I want to see it bite you first. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, if you if you trust it enough to bite you. Then maybe I'll get the nerve up enough to do it. If you die, I'm not going to pick up the snake. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree with that. No, you know, it's. I mean, it, it, it's not only. It, I, I think a, a big issue here is, and the way that I see it is, it's not just uh, the fact that the person was obviously un, uneducated about the topic of venomoid snakes, but I, I mean. Look at it from this standpoint: the the, the, the cobras, the rattlesnakes, and copperheads. The way they catch their prey is by injecting them with venom. Right. So you're taking away their source for killing their prey. Yeah, true. It's possibly in captivity. It, you know, maybe it's a different story. But would you remove all the muscles from a python? Yeah, you know, and I've heard various uh, thoughts and theories on this. I don't think anything's actually been proven out to. Uh, is close to say scientific fact but I've heard many people say that you know when you take the venom glands from a snake it actually has issues with di- uh, food digestion as well as um, length of life is actually shortened significantly well you know I mean so some of the properties of some of these some of the venom in some of these snakes it, like you mentioned digestion I mean that's right so- properties in the venom are they, they start the process before it's even consumed right right so so and, and not only that I, I mean the way i see it if you if you can't keep an animal without having to alter it you shouldn't be keeping it right right now moving on to our uh, next story of the uh herp report with jason white one that i kind of think is uh interesting and kind of nice is the kid in the caiman <laughs> i like this one so Basically, this I guess mom came in and found her kid petting a caiman in their floor on their floor behind the couch. Well, this area I guess was recently hit with floods that that had affected the house, and the mother was alerted to something by her three-year-old child. Okay. And yeah, when she uh, went to investigate, she found her three-year-old child petting a five-foot caiman behind the couch. Nice. Now, um, what's, now what's cool about this story, Jason? I think is the last line 
the caiman was taken to a less populous area and released into the wild. Nobody freaked out. Nobody started, you know, beating the caiman to death, and you know. I no, mean, no, she she got the child out of there, and yeah. local authorities, and they came over and they grabbed it and they took it to the the edge of town, away from the people, and right. let it go back out in the wild. And you know that's something you don't hear in America. As a matter of fact, that would be considered a problem animal being in somebody's house like that. And the state of Florida has a very specific law about their alligators. When they become a problem, they're killed. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Really. And, if you, in the state of Florida, if you get caught, and this is what the uh, the fish and wildlife people in Florida say, if you feed an alligator, you sign its death sentence. Wow. If, if it takes food from you in Florida, they trap it and they kill it. And have you ever seen the Department of Wildlife in Florida catch an alligator? I'm thinking. If you have to think that hard, you haven't seen Yeah, it. no, I was going to say, no, I... <laughs> It, it, it's not. It never I, dawned on me. I, I actually saw this happen on TV, and it was the exact same thing. It was one of these uh, wildlife shows, and they were doing a little stakeout, watching people feed alligators, and that's that's where I learned this law was listening to them explain to the people that every alligator that takes a food food from human is killed. Wow. And they, Basically, what they do is they call a trapper in who takes like a deep sea fishing pole and hooks the thing in the side and drags it in, and and j- just uh, you know watching them hook this alligator in its side and drag it in with a fishing line and then throw it in the back of the truck. And now they send it off to a farm to be all cleaned up and processed and everything, which I guess is you know it's better than just shooting it and leaving it there. But uh, yeah. But, but back to the point, that's, that's policy in Florida is, you know, any alligator that, that comes around a person, takes food from a person, anything that's deemed a problem alligator is killed. And they don't, they don't take it and release it into the wild. Wow. <clears throat> that's just amazing. But they do in Brazil, and look at how much nicer their ecosystem is than here. Yeah, very true. So maybe we can learn a thing or two from them. Yeah. You know, you, you definitely don't get uh, activities like that from people in Boston riding trains. I'll tell you no. that much. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is funny in, in one aspect, that they disinfected the entire train car. That's funny to me. They had to call somebody in to sanitize it against Salmonella. Right, right. Now, why don't you give our uh, listeners a little background on this <laughs> little tidbit of information about Melissa Morehouse. Okay, well, I was just going to ask if I could say her name because I really wanted to. And, um, well, I took care of that. Uh, she, she, okay, in short, she rode a train. She had uh, her pet snake on her neck. Her pet snake crawled off her neck, and she lost it in the train um, in Boston in the middle of wintertime. And uh, it was a boa, for that matter. Okay, now let me let me stop you right there. Now, we have, number one, A, a boa, which is a tropical snake. You're in Boston, which in wintertime is cold. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. snowing cold. <laughs> and you're on a public transportation system. I'll tell you what, it's 40 degrees right now here, and I'm glad I'm not in Boston. <laughs> so Unbelievable. Yeah, no, there, there was, uh, now, I didn't, I know a few people followed this story, I didn't follow the story, I personally didn't even run this story. Right. But, 
I did follow some uh, feedback from other news agencies on the story, and, and it kind of, what I use this story as mainly is as a, what do you call it, um, a beginning point of where we have to educate the public. Some of the comments, there was one woman saying that she, how horrified she would be if this snake crawled out from somewhere while she was on the train. Right. Uh, just the, the terminology she used, and, and a lot of people, when I actually mentioned this on Facebook, and a lot of people came to her defense, and some people are afraid of snakes and everything, and I thought, well, you know what? I don't care who you are. You wouldn't be horrified if a cute little kitten came and crawled on your lap on a train. Right. You know, and it, 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 it's all about public perception, and that's where the education, to, in my opinion, half of the education to save our hobby has to start with changing the public perception on the hobby and on the animals themselves. Right. Right, yeah. yeah, and I definitely agree with you there. Changing the public perception, you know, uh, you know, it's okay to, it, and it's reasonable to fear snakes. Absolutely. But you know, at the same extent, you know, the terminology used by the most of the media, um, a lot of the times, you know, like we talked about before, you know, it's not a snake bite; it's a snake mauling or a snake attack, or you know, it's like. It's just sensationalism that you know brings down brings down bad uh, information and reputation to our uh, to our hobby or business, however you want to claim to put it. Yeah, yeah, and you know where it starts? It starts when people bring their snakes onto trains and lose them. Exactly. You know, I mean, what <laughs> what would possess you to do that? I, you know, apparently she, this is not the first time she's taken it out. Apparently she's taken it out before and never had a problem. And it's absolutely beyond me how anybody... Have you ever had a snake on your neck? No. I have. Well, I, have. The, I take that back. I have. I just don't recommend it. <laughs> no, no. Well, how do you not notice it crawling off of your neck? Yeah. No, it's, it's like... <laughs> Half the people that have ever had one on their neck, the best time in the world is when it crawls off. So, yeah, exactly. How do you not notice that? I, I don't understand that, but that's you know that's the uh, that's old news, I guess. Um, now she's been billed six hundred and fifty dollars for the cleanup of that train car, and I, I you know I got to approve of that because these uh, looking at just the feedback from the people that ride in that train, I would have to say that it was the. The train operators, it was a good business decision for them to do what they did. Because I'm sure, even if they lost one rider for a couple weeks while this was going on, that right. was still money they lost. Right, and, no, it was, definitely. You and know. and, and it, it, it all comes down to, you know, we, we talk about it several times before, if you screw up, you need to pay for your... You know, everybody screws up. You've done it, I've done it. Yeah. The, 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 the thing that makes a difference is whether you pay for it or whether you make somebody else pay for it. Right, right. And the thing is, too, Jason, that, you know, reminds me, when you mentioned the salmonella thing, what's to say two weeks later, let's say they didn't clean the train car. Now, if somebody comes down with salmonella poisoning from eating bad chicken or bad whatever, exactly. they, they happen to realize they're on that same train car, prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I think like I said, I, I think it was a little extreme to do that. Oh, sure. You, you, you can't blame them because no. I, guarantee, I guarantee what you just said, one of their board members or something probably mentioned in a meeting. Exactly. Said, better get that train car cleaned out before we get a frivolous lawsuit or something on it. Right, right. And, you know, to them, 
you know, $650 to some people is a lot of money. To them, it's nothing. Right. And, you know, but they're, if they had to do this as a, a good business decision to try to cover themselves, mm -hmm. then the person responsible for them having to do this should pay for it. Right, right. Now, the other top animal that made uh, the Herp Report uh, this week was uh, a, a turtle. <laughs> of a all things. A western painted turtle taking a nap. <laughs> In hibernation, in British Columbia, uh, contractors working on a several million dollar marina project, uh, it came to a screeching halt when they found a single hibernating western painted turtle. That is uh, just awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. The, 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 for the people that don't know, the western painted turtle is on the... Uh, is it on the red list already? It is the West in British Columbia. It's on the blue list, and it's also on the federal at risk list. Wow! Which is why it stopped the project. And right, um, biologists were actually kind of kind of stumped because this was not necessarily known habitat for the turtle. Oh wow! They they didn't even expect to find one there. But now, you know, the contractor he's being a great sport about it. He's okay. You got to stop. You got to stop. He says there's a few things they can do. But as far as he's concerned, the project is halted until that turtle decides to wake up and move on its way, and they can finish construction. Unfortunately, they don't expect the turtle to wake up until about the time the marina was supposed to be done. Oops. So, <laughs> so they, they won't be able to park their boats there for a couple months. Man, what a the bummer. It was supposed to be done in March. They've pushed it back to June now. Oh, okay. All right. So, you know, over there in British Columbia, and... Uh, you know, they're uh, apparently they're very serious about that because you know a contractor here in America would have probably just killed the stupid thing. Exactly. Called up his cousin Jimmy over in New York, give him some cement boots on the turtle, and uh, you know, take care of some business. Shot it with his bow and arrow <laughs> from across the river. You wouldn't even get close to it because it was yeah, huge. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and at the pool bar on Friday night, it would have been a three-foot-long monster that he shot. Probably. Oh, definitely would have been. You know, gnawing it, gnawing on his arm, and you know. I'm sure you'd have scars to prove it from, you know, the uh, multiple injuries received. Probably lost a toe, you know. But, but no, no pictures because when something amazing happens, the last thing us Americans think of is grabbing a camera. Exactly. God, we wouldn't want to do that. No, no. Why, why, why would we want to uh, make history and prove this amazing event? Yeah, don't document it. <laughs> Unless... You know, to kind of add insult to injury, I have to take that statement back because when we do stupid stuff, we love grabbing cameras. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, we gotta we gotta prove to the rest of the world that we're dumber than them, I guess. Yeah, that must so. be it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you can always give Jason White a tumble at uh, the DailyReptileNews.com. Once again, it's DailyReptileNews.com. News stories everywhere, every day, at least. I mean, uh, do you have a limit on the number of news stories you run a day? Um, I do have a limit on the number of news stories I run every day, and that is how many I could write in about 20 hours. All right, sweet. There so, you go. <laughs> I, I, I normally, it, it, it's absolutely unbelievable that, you know, a lot of people, until you do this kind of work, they don't realize how much news there actually is about reptiles out there. Some people don't think there's any. Wow. There, there's actually, I probably get... Right now, this time of year is actually a slow time of year, and in my email, I get about three pages a day. Um, 
And to be fair, half of those have nothing to do with reptiles or just some stupid politician talking about crocodile tears or something. Oh, okay. But uh, what I try to do, there's so much pointless crap that goes around out there. I try to uh, pick the ones that, that really seem to make to mean something. To, right. Uh, and, and run those ones, which is why sometimes, you know, some people find that I'm not running a story that's all over the news. And, I, you know, it's just, I don't... I don't feel like I have to run a story of somebody's iguana that got out because it's not news anymore. It happens every day, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So I'll let CNN cover that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So for all your uh, Daily Reptile news, you know where to go, dailyreptilenews.com. We're going to try to, like I said, make this a weekly show. Uh, eventually, Jason and I are going to get together at some type of show and do something spectacular, I'm sure. Whether it's dangerous and involving, you know, venomous animals, we don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, but, but you know, we're both American, so it's sure to be entertaining and stupid. Exactly. That's very true. I don't know if we'll get it on video, though. We might get it on audio. That's a possibility. Uh, uh, we, the 911 operator might get it on audio. <laughs> And so there you have it. That's the Herp Report with Jason White. We would uh, appreciate any feedback you have. If you like what we're doing, let us know. Uh, ReptileApartment uh, at gmail.com to email me personally. And definitely provide some feedback on iTunes. If you like what we're doing, let us know. If you don't, definitely like, definitely let us know as well. We'd like to hear your feedback. Uh, you can leave comments on the blogs as well, dailyrealnews.com, as well as uh, reptilelemurium.com or reptileapartment.com, whichever you choose. And uh, we're going to keep doing, taking this uh, look at uh, Herpeticulture News in an irreverent way, somewhat, and uh, just try to have some fun with it. So we hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.